Hello, my name is Lauren Sarna, and I am going to be talking about restrictions on abortion and their impact on women in the United States. I chose this topic because it has obviously been a focal point of many elections over the past few cycles, along with the fact that I'm from Georgia and our new heartbeat bill was the center of attention only last year. I first began my research in realizing that I did not know much about the history of abortion pre-Roe v. Wade. In my research, I learned that it had been around and was originally legal since the beginning of the United States. Originally, drugs to induce abortion were advertised in newspapers and could be bought from pharmacists, physicians, and even through the mail. It was not until the mid-1800s that states had begun making abortions illegal state by state. After looking into why or what happened to create this push, I found the Comstock Act, an act for the suppression of trade in and circulation of obscene literature and articles of immoral use, which was passed in 1873. This act made the mailing of any obscene, lewd, or lascivious materials or anything of an indecent or immoral use of nature punishable by a fine and 10 years of hard labor. This also included contraceptives and information related to abortion. The push for the Comstock Act came after it was realized that the majority of people using contraceptives or having abortions were white Protestant women, therefore decreasing their birth rates while there was an increase in immigration and therefore the birth rates of Black, Catholic, Mexican, Chinese, and Indians were rising in the United States. One of the largest voices behind this campaign, Dr. Storer, who is a Harvard medical graduate, is quoted saying, Shall these regions, meaning the western and southern United States, be filled by our own children or by those of aliens? This is a question our women must answer upon their loins depends the future destiny of the nation. This quote struck me as fascinating because even during a time where our country was solely governed and decisions were determined, by the voting of white Protestant men, they were putting this responsibility on white Protestant women to keep them the majority and further populate these areas of the country. By 1910, all but one state had criminalized abortion except when necessary to save a woman's life, by doctor's judgment only. By creating this stipulation, we see that abortion by anyone other than physicians, including midwives, apothecaries, and homeopaths, were no longer allowed to compete with them for abortions. This was the first time we see it become a true political, religious, and moral issue. In the time after the criminalization of abortions, we see that it became an underground business that happened behind closed doors or turned into women using dangerous measures to take it into their own hands. There are estimates stating that the number spiked potentially around 1.2 million per year in both the 1920s during the Depression when families were not able to take on new mouths to feed, and also during the 50s after the boomer generation when increased population was discussed as a national problem. What is not surprising is that during this time, abortion turned into an economic issue since neither the medical field or the government were able to profit off of it. But it was not until the civil rights and women's liberation movement in the 1960s that reproductive rights took center stage again. In the 60s, we saw that there was an outbreak of German measles, causing an increased number of birth defects in babies born during this decade. With this, we see that women started believing that they should be able to avoid the birth of deformed children. 
This is the time when we see that organizations such as the National Organization for Women and the Abortion Counseling Service of the Chicago Women's Liberation Union formed. The National Organization for Women lobbied for abortion law reform and filed lawsuits. Anti-abortion groups argued against them stating that a woman's right to reproductive freedom is no greater than the right of an unborn child to be born. The Abortion Counseling Service of the Chicago Women's Liberation Union provided safe and affordable abortions, providing a reported 11,000 over the course of the four years between 1969 and 1973. Between 1967 and 1973, a third of states repealed their criminal abortion laws, but it was not until 1973 and the Supreme Court decision of Roe v. Wade that we see abortion was made legal and further gave guidelines for the states to follow. The guidelines stated that During a pregnant woman's first trimester, a state cannot regulate abortion beyond requiring that the procedure be performed by a licensed doctor in medically safe conditions. During the second trimester, a state may regulate abortion if the regulations are reasonably related to the health of the pregnant woman. During the third trimester, the state's interest in protecting the potential human life outweighs the woman's right to privacy. The state may prohibit abortions unless abortion is necessary to save the life or health of the mother. We see more recent laws where the states have created different obstacles for women or doctors to go through before they are able to perform an abortion, including the Supreme Court's ruling in Planned Parenthood of Southeastern Pennsylvania versus Casey in 1992, which established that the states can restrict pre-viability abortions in ways that are not medically necessary as long as they do not place undue burden on women seeking abortion services. These include waiting periods between a first visit and the actual procedure or physician gag laws, which range from having to tell a patient that a fetus can feel pain, links between abortion and breast cancer, or that these procedures can impact future fertility, which are not necessarily supported by current medical evidence. Some can also require that doctors perform an ultrasound on the patient before permitting abortion. All of these can be argued that they are solely in place to discourage a patient from receiving an abortion. In 2003, we see that the federal abortion ban was enacted and in 2007 was upheld by the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court upheld this decision by stating that the state's interest in promoting respect for human life at all stages of pregnancy could outweigh a woman's interest in protecting her own health. This is a distinct difference from the previous three decades where the Supreme Court required protection for a woman's health, therefore requiring a health exception. Justice Ginsburg criticized the majority in her dissent, saying, A woman's ability to realize her full potential is intimately connected to her ability to control her reproductive life. With this decision, the court deprives women of their right to make an autonomous choice, even at the expense of their safety. Proposed laws have continued in current years in trying to restrict access to abortion. Looking at the 2016 case of Whole Woman's Health versus Helterstedt, which the Supreme Court struck down in Texas, we see that the law was attempting to require two things. 
First, admitting privileges, which required abortion doctors to have admitting privileges at a hospital within 30 miles of the clinic. And two, minimum health safety standards, which required that abortion clinics meet the minimum health and safety standards of ambulatory surgical centers. While I see the benefits of both of these requirements in maintaining a health and safety standard for the patient and doctor, I also know that implementing these would have caused access to drastically drop in areas of the country that are less economically funded or that are more rural in nature. In even more recent news, we see that the current Georgia governor, Brian Kemp, signed a bill in May of 2019 stating that instead of the current 20-week cutoff for abortion, it will now be prohibited at six weeks or at the detection of a fetal heartbeat and was to be enacted on January 1st of 2020. There were exceptions in place which state that abortions would still be available after this time for women who have medical emergencies or pregnancies that are not viable, and women who get pregnant by rape or incest as long as they are below the 20-week mark and have filed a police report. This bill was temporarily blocked in December of 2019, by United States District Court Judge Steve Jones in Atlanta stating that a woman's right to abortion was guaranteed by the Constitution until about 24 weeks into pregnancy or the second trimester. Georgia is not the only state that is facing these types of bills and backlash in regards to their access to abortion, though. In June of 2020, the Supreme Court struck down a Louisiana law that could have left the entire state with only one abortion clinic. In almost identical fashion to the whole women's health versus helter set case, we saw that this law would have required doctors to have admitting privileges at nearby hospitals, which is stated by Justice Breyer to put undue burden on the constitutional right to abortion. Currently, only two of the five doctors that provide abortions in Louisiana have admitting privileges and only one, located in New Orleans, would be able to handle the level of work needed to continue the clinic. Justice Breyer further explained his reasoning by saying that a Shreveport resident seeking an abortion who might have previously obtained care at one of that city's local clinics would either have to spend nearly 20 hours driving back and forth or else find overnight lodging in New Orleans due to the waiting period that the state imposes between the initial consultation and the procedure. The burden of this increased travel would fall disproportionately on poor women, who are at least able to, abs to absorb them. These restrictions and limitations are nowhere near a thing of the past. This was something that was decided two weeks ago and had to be defended by our nation's highest court of law. I can honestly say that this was one of the most informative projects I have ever been assigned, and for me to further remain ignorant on these limitations, because I have not had personal experience with the effects of these laws would be negligent as a voter, woman, and human. I hope you all learned as much as I have and that you enjoyed listening. Have a great rest of your summer.